Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Verdecchio. If you'd like to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.NewDestinyChristianCenter.com. Amen. It got real somber in here, and that was good because the presence of God came. Amen. I'm going to try and lighten it up a little, and then I'm going to make it somber again. <laughs> I used, to, I used to, to, to read funny stories and stuff, and I kind of got out of the habit, but I found a few, so I want to, I want to kind of give them to you here a little bit. So <laughs> It says, uh, I didn't know that my dad was a construction site thief, but when I got home, the signs were everywhere. I used to be addicted to soap, but I'm clean now. <laughs> My friend was addicted to brake fluid. He says he can stop anytime he wants. I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but then I turned myself around. But that's what it's all about. (laughs) Somebody accused me of being addicted to air. I said I could quit for the rest of my life. Uh Two hunters are out in the woods when one of them collapses. He doesn't seem to be breathing and his eyes are glazed. The other guy whips out his cell phone. He calls emergency services. He gasps, my friend is dead. What can I do? The operator says, calm down. I can help first. Let's make sure he's dead. There's a silence and then a gunshot. Back on the phone, the guy says, okay, now what? You know, hearing is something that's really important. And, you know, it's funny. My, my intentions, well, it doesn't matter what my intentions were, but um, at the men's conference, God dealt with me to, to share a story. And, then, and I didn't want to, but I did. And then I was here this morning, and God said, you need to stare that, share that story. And I said, God, but I don't want to. And he didn't care what I wanted. And, and there's kind of a reason behind it, the way my faith works. But I went to the hearing doctor about, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. And in case you don't know, I wear hearing aids. And um, so, so I went there, and, you know, you go through. you got to go every year. And when you go to the, to the hearing doctor, you know, they put you in a little booth. And, and it, it, it feels funny, you know. You're sitting in this little cramped booth, and you're sitting there, and there's a, there's a window, and the... the the lady that's doing the testing, she's sitting right there in front of you, and they, they start to do different sounds, okay? And they do it in your left ear, and then they do it in your right ear, and, you know, you push a button if you hear the sound. So, so you're sitting there, and they're, they're beep, you know, they get high tones, low tones, all the different things, right? So you go through all of that, 
And then afterwards she says, okay, now what I'm going to do is uh, you're going to hear different words. And you just need to tell me what the word is that's spoken. So, okay. So I'm sitting there and it's going through the different words. And, uh, uh, you know, some of them they say in a higher tone, some at a lower tone. And it's just single words. And, you know, you, you go through it and you're listening and you're trying to make it out. And you understand that sometimes they're, they're saying things that you know they don't want you to understand. Because they're, they're trying to test how far that you can go. And, and they go through the whole thing. And afterwards I said, okay, so how did I do? I, I like to pass tests. I wasn't, good in, I wasn't real good in school at the time. But I, I like to pass tests. And she said, well, you did really good on your hearing. I said, well, that's excellent. You know? and she said, you, uh, your high tones and all that kind of stuff is exactly what it's been. There's been absolutely no loss in your hearing. It's, it's exactly where it's been. And that's good. You don't want things to get worse. I said, well, praise the Lord. That's really good. And she said, well... You didn't do too good at the words. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you just weren't able to make them out. And, and so I said, well, you know, that's, that's probably not that big a deal, right? Because I can just turn the hearing aids up, right? So I hear them a little bit better. And she said, well, no, it doesn't work that way, right? And, and the reason I didn't want to tell the story, because I don't want you to, my, my faith works by going to God. So he made me do this. But anyway, so... <laughs> So I don't want nobody just just pray for me. Don't worry about it. So anyway, so she said it, it's, and the way she explained it, I'm sure is not the technical terms. She said, you've got your eardrums and they hear a sound. And then there's a tube. I don't know if it's really a tube or what it is, but that goes to the part of your brain that understands words. Am I getting this right, Jen? Because you kind of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. So basically there's a, there's a pathway, right? It goes to the part of your brain that understands. And she said, that, that part isn't doing quite the same as it used to do. And so you, you can hear it. You can turn it up, and you'll hear it better, but it doesn't mean you'll understand it any better. And what God spoke to me, the reason he told me to tell you this is there's a difference between being able to hear the sound and understand the word. Right? See, that's, that's true in our lives. You know, I think the saddest thing in the world to me is, is not a sinner. It can be sad, and you hate what sin does to people's lives and the, the destruction that it brings. Don't get me wrong. But I think the saddest thing that I can think of is a soul that goes to church but never hears. And God wants us to be a people that understand what he's wanting to do and how to do it. He's not wanting us just to, to hear the sound. He's wanting us to, he, he's wanting to convey what needs done. You know, I, I, I often say, how many people are you still reading the Bible through? Right, we're in the New Testament now. Amen. We're, we're, we're seeing Jesus and, and what's happening and the different things in the ministry, and so it's powerful. And it'll help you. But you know, it's, it's easy to read the word and not, not get it. There's some parts that are harder to get than others, and I understand that. But it's easy to read the word. And you know, you could, I know people that read their Bible all the time and they don't get it. And so when you're reading, you have to say, you know what, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to tell me something in this reading today. You know, I always say, you have to learn how to put yourself in the story. You have to learn how to put yourself in the story. Because we learn best by experience. 
And I'm not saying you want to get out there and, 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 and experience some of the things that happen. But what you want to do is you want to put yourself in there to where you can see yourself in that story. What was it like? I always ask these questions when I'm reading the Word and I'm reading different stories. God, what did that feel like? What did that, what was it like to be there? So I want to read a story, David. It's in Acts, actually, chapter number 13. But it says, and afterwards, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. So here you had the, the children of Israel. They wanted to be like all the other nations. They weren't happy being led by God. See, when you're led by God, you're different. It just it is what it is. People will look at you and go, you're weird. Raise your hand and go, yeah, I know. Kind of what the Lord does sometimes. So they didn't like that. They wanted to be like everybody else. Okay? And so God wasn't pleased with that. But he said, okay, if this is what you want, and I'm not going to get into that story too much, but God basically said, if this is what you want, he's going to be ruler over you, and you're not going to like it. He's going to send your kids off to battle. They're going to die. He's going to take all your stuff. He's going to raise your tax. He's going to do all this stuff. But they wanted it anyway. But then Saul disobeyed God. And God said, okay, you're done. And it goes on now, and it says, and when he had removed him, I love the way Saul was a king that God placed there, and all he gets in the book of Acts is when God had removed him because he disobeyed God. It says he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. If you want to please God, it's not that hard. Well, it's hard, but it's not that hard. You have to do all of his will. You have to do the parts that you don't like and the parts that you do like. You have to do the parts that you're good at and the parts that you're not so good at. See, doing all of God's will means you're doing what he wants, not necessarily everything that you want. For some reason in Christianity, and I suppose it's man's fallen nature, we, we all want to do what we like. We, we want to do what makes us happy. We want to do what makes us feel good. We want to do what we're good at. Right? I, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm one that, I'm, I don't have the, the nicest handwriting with my right hand, but I really don't want to try and write with my left hand. Right? And so it's that struggle. I, I, I was with somebody this weekend who, who had had a stroke a few, you know, a while back, and it was their right hand. They can't, you know, and he said it's starting to get a little bit better, but I'm thinking, man. So when he left, I started thinking to myself, what would it be like to do everything with just this hand? To type with it? Only this one. I'm a two-fingered typist, but I do okay. But I can't do this. What would it be like to have to write with your left hand? When we were, when we were driving home and I, and I was leaving, 
he, he didn't know I was there, but he, he was driving the same direction. I'm watching him, and I, you know, he's got his left hand up there doing what he's got to do with his left hand. And it made me begin to think to myself how hard it is sometimes when things happen. Well, God wants us sometimes to have to use our left hand and do it successfully, if that's what he's telling us to do. Okay, I'll move on. I don't think you're buying that part too much. A number of years ago, Lisa and I and Pastor Teresa, we went down to, uh, where were we? We were in San Diego. And when we were there, uh, you know, Lisa's kind of an adventurer. And so she said, Pop, we want to go over there where there was, you know, we were on the beach happy just sitting there. And Lisa wanted to go do something fun. So uh, we go over there and there was a wall for, you know, the rock climbing. She, she had the rock climbing wall. And she said, Pop, I want to do that. And I said, okay. She goes, you want to do it with me? I said, no. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I, of course, I paid for it because, well... <laughs> So she gets up there and she starts climbing, you know, and they, they hook the little harness thing to you that's supposed to stop you if you fall. And, you know, she's climbing up the wall and she got to a certain point and I'm standing down at the bottom. Come on, Lisa, you can do it. Go a little bit higher. And she's like, I don't want to go no more. <laughs> and I said, I could do it. And she said, well, let's see you. <laughs> so I, I guess she's just hanging on the wall. I gave the guy a little bit. You remember that, Lisa? <laughs> so she's halfway up, you know. So I gave the guy some money, and he hooked me all up and all. And, and, I, and I, I started climbing the wall. And I, I was better at it than I thought I would be. And I'm, I'm climbing up the wall, and I'm getting up there. And, you know, inevitably, Lisa never believes this, but I passed her. <laughs> She says it's the shoes she was wearing. <laughs> so I, I passed her on the wall, you know, and I'm climbing up there. But I got to a point, and, and it was all of a sudden I was just like, I think I'm done. Now I wasn't done, but I, I was done. And I remember sitting there, and, and, and she's cackling like she'll do sometimes. She's doing that laugh of hers. And, and I'm, I'm holding on to the wall, and I thought, all right, this is as far as I want to go. And, and, and uh, the guy's down there on the ground. He says, well, all you got to do is let go, and the rope will catch you. And, and, and I thought to myself, yeah, I, I, don't, I, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I started climbing backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to let myself down the wall. And the guy kept saying, you're going to hurt yourself. You better just, just let go. It'll catch you. It'll be all right. And we do this all the time. Something in my head said. So I climbed all the way down the wall. But my, my point is this. When we're climbing, whether it be in ministry, family, life, work, whatever it may be, there comes a point where something inside says, I'm done. Now, is it because I couldn't have gone further? I mean, I didn't have any problem up to that point. But something inside just said, you don't want to go any higher than this. God wants us to be able to achieve so much more than we have today. 
But so many times it's like me on that wall. That you come to a place, and it's not because it's too hard. It's not because you don't have the ability. It's not even because you're not safe. Because in the back of my mind, I knew that the rope was going to catch me if I fell. But something says, you're high enough, stop. Now my question is, how many people are going to hell because we stop? See, I believe that we're in the end times. I believe it. I see things happening that, that give me pause. I see all kinds of stuff around. And I know that wide is the road that leads to destruction. It's easy to be on that road. And I know that narrow is the road that leads to life. And few there be that find it. And if that's really the case... And, and God's been dealing with me. It doesn't matter maybe that I got further up the wall than Lisa. My job's to complete my course. And so for all of us, we have to come to that place to where we realize our responsibility is to uh, uh, do all of God's will for our lives. Your will, God's will for you, is not the same as it is for me. What God has for me is different than it has for you. Not because I'm a pastor, it's just we're all individuals. But my question is, are you doing? Can, could God say about you what he's saying about David? Now, David didn't have an easy life. In fact, if, if David was in ministry today and he did what he did then people would have all thrown him out of ministry. You know, don't, don't you find it interesting that David got away with murder and adultery while he was king? And yet he was a man after God's own heart. And God knew that he would do what he needed him to do. Saul... just didn't follow what the prophet said. And God said, you're done. Sometimes we mix up our priorities in the kingdom of God. Because I, I don't know about you, but if it were left up to me, I think Saul sinned less than David in my mind. Now I know what the word says and I know why God said it. But in our lives and the way we live, do we really live more like David than we do Saul? Kind of an interesting thought. See, God gave David a prophecy. He sent the prophet to his hometown. He said, look, I'm going to show you who the next king is. David's just a kid. And God said, go there. I'm going to show you who it is. So Saul goes. Town's there. He narrows it down, narrows it down, brings it down, right, to Jesse's family, to his sons. And Jesse 
brings out all of his sons that are older. God said, I don't understand, but it's not any of these. Jesse said, well, there's only one more, but I know it isn't him. And the prophet said, go get him. And when he came, the prophet saw him and said, this is the one. See, nobody would have picked David. In fact, they didn't. Only God could point it out. And sometimes if we're not careful, we have to understand, God needs, God needs some people in this time that will begin to say, God, use me. But we check our own selves off the list and say, surely it can't be me. It has to be somebody else. The vision of New Destiny and part of, part of the, the practical part of New Destiny that I know is there and when I pray, and I've been praying a lot lately in this, in this area, is God, I know that New Destiny is supposed to be a church that plants churches. I know God. I don't think it. I know it. Because I can see what's coming down the road and I can see what God wants to do, but I'm like, God, here's the hard part. If it were up to me or if it were up to my wife, we're builders. If, if we can get it in our hands, we can put it together and build it up and make it work. But the hard part about this is, God, you've got to speak to some people that will begin to say, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll be responsible for 50 people. I'll be responsible for what it takes. I'll lay my life down. God, I, there's probably 50 other people that could do it better than me, but God, for whatever reason... So God, I'll do it. Pastor Jen, when he was preaching yesterday, he, he, he was talking uh, about a man that, uh, 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 he was a cricket player. Can't think of his name now off the top of my head. Hmm? No, not Billy Sunday. He was a baseball player. But this guy decided to give up cricket. He was the Michael Jordan of cricket. You didn't know there was one of those, was there? <laughs> the sports always baffled me. I don't understand their little their little outfit thingies. <laughs> but he was the Michael Jordan of cricket. And he got saved, right? We sang Amazing Grace. I didn't know Pastor Teresa was going to do that. We sang Amazing Grace. This man had his whole future in front of him. He was able to do, he was wealthy, he was a professional athlete, he was able to do anything he wanted to do. And when he got saved, he recognized God's amazing grace. What's the guy who wrote that? Newton? Newton, right? And most people don't understand where that song came from. He was, a, he was the captain of a slave trading vessel. He was the guy that would go to Africa, put all these people in that ship, and then pack a whole bunch more in there and bring people to America so they could be slaves. But one day, he got saved. So when he wrote that song, he understood. <laughs> What amazing grace was. 
See, that's what grace is. It's, it's not having everything together. It's God. <laughs> I might have blown it this week, but God, I still want to do what you want me to do. It's living a life continually on your knees going, God, I know that you've got thousands that are more equipped than I am. God, I know that I've got problems and I've got things in my life, God. But if I live on my knees and I'm a man of repentance, if I'm a woman that constantly calls out and says, God, I blew it again, but here I am, God. I repent, I'm not going to do it again, God. I'm going to change, God, you've got to help me. See, that's the key to doing what God wants. What set David in a different place than Saul? It wasn't the sin. It was that Saul made excuses for his sin. That when the prophet came and said, what do I hear in my ears? He began to make excuses. Well, you took too long to get here. I did it it because we want to take the best and we want to serve God with it. We want to sacrifice The difference is David, when he sinned, oh, he wasn't just on his knees, he was on his face. See, if you want to serve God, you've got to be a man or a woman that's willing to get down on your knees or on your face before God and say, oh God, here I am. I'm lost and undone, but oh God. I may have done some of the most horrific, horrible things that have ever been done, but God, your grace and your mercy. Why is that so important? Because somewhere along the line in Christianity, we created this this false narrative that you have to have your life together in order for God to use you. You have to be raised a certain way. Some of us started way, way on the wrong side of zero. And we take ourselves out of the equation. See, Saul had all of the gifts. It says that he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Saul was big. Saul was talented. Saul was the man that everybody would pick, and God rejected him. David was the exact opposite. You know what I love about NDCC? We should all change our names to David. That'd be confusing. But it's the idea that God can use you. And we rehearse all the reasons that he can. And God wants us just to get on our face and say, you know what, God, I don't get it. But you can use me. God, I need you just to do something. We have all the list of reasons why he can. And we have to change it. See, you can't make your calling fit your ability and your circumstances. You have to do what God says. Does that make sense? We, we tend to say, God, I'll do this, but I won't do this. Remember the old song, please don't send me to Africa? I know only the old, old Christians know that one. It was basically a guy said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll even serve a nursery. That's what the song says. But don't send me to Africa. I don't want to do that. And, and what we find that if, if we'll just do what God wants, it does work 
in a way that, that helps us. When, when Pastor Teresa and I came to, came to Philly, we had done all kinds of things. We had, we had finally, finally got to where our lives were more stable. And we're, we're, we're in Shreveport, Louisiana, and things are working out. We're kind of more stable. Things are going the way we, we, we always thought that they were supposed to go. And, and God interrupts and says, but will you do what I tell you? He told me first. And, and I said, okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, you want me to go to Philadelphia and you want me to start a church. Okay, we'll do that. So, but you're going to have to speak to her. And he did. Circumstances begin to happen and begin to line up. God spoke, right? And it doesn't matter how we resistance we are. What matters is whether we do. She came to that place where God said to do it. She said, all right, we're going to do it. We, we did what we had to do to get there. And, you know, we had, maybe you don't think about it this way, we had this, this romantic idea of what obeying God was going to be. We said, okay, God, we're going to do it. And you're going to move. And we didn't recognize and we didn't understand that when we did it, you know, we, we lost about $60,000 in the move. We got here and we thought, well, God's going to move. He's going to help us. It's going to be great. It wasn't great. We got here and everything was against us. Everything was going wrong. Everything was going bad. The only place we could start was up in the Northeast. We went up there and beat our heads against that wall. You know, we were in a rougher neighborhood. I never pictured myself in a church where you had to roll a, a grate down in front of the church so they didn't steal everything. <laughs> and everything didn't seem to be working out, but God it was in that place where we met Pastor Nancy and Angel. It's in that place where we met some different people that, that caused us to be able to, to jump over and do some things. And God began to move and God began to help us. See, serving God's a journey. When, when God anointed David to be king, he didn't put a crown on his head. He simply anointed him and told him, this is what's going to happen. This, and David had to then line his life up and circumstances didn't just go, okay, now you're going to need a lot of money, so I'm going to give you that. Now you're going to need a lot of influence, so I'm going to give you that. Now you're going to need this, so I'm going to give you that. And, and God didn't just walk him up those steps, it was just the opposite. And in our lives, it's the same thing. If we are going to answer God's call, sometimes it looks like you're going over here, and then you're going over here, and then you're going down here, and you go back up here. And David had to go the whole rigmarole and go through the whole thing. And he had to go to the cave of Abdullam. And he had to have that time where, where, where Saul, he just wanted to help Saul. And Saul's trying to kill him with a spear. And he had to go through the difficulties and the hardships. But if you're going to fulfill what God wants you to be, you have to go through some of those times. See, most people spend their time running away from things they're not good at. Maybe, maybe that's only me. And when things go wrong, we run the other way. When Pastor Teresa and I first went into the ministry, we were in Commerce City, Colorado. We were too young to know that we weren't supposed to be there yet, but we were there. And, and didn't know anything about pastor and didn't know what we were doing, but God said it was, you know, God, well, whatever. So anyway, we were there. And I remember we were excited. We had pioneer fantasy. Right? We said, we're going to Commerce City. God's going to come. Praise God. You know, I was what, 25? 
And we're in that place, and, and, and we're, 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 we're setting up, we're ready to go. And when I got there, I don't think I've told this story recently, I hope not, but anyway. So we get there, and uh, uh, it, we took over uh, Pastor Jan's church, actually. It was a small little church up there. And he had set up for my favorite uh, uh, guest minister to come preach. He had set up for my favorite guest minister to come preach. And, and I was excited. I thought, well, this is going to be fun. Now I'm going to get to hear him preach. And I'm the pastor of the church. This is going to be a really good time. Well, we were there. He was preaching on a Wednesday night. He was driving from Colorado Springs, about a, probably a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive with traffic. And we were in that place. And um, it was time to, time to start service at 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night. And I look out the window. He's not there yet. I got a little nervous. At the time... We had the best praise and worship team that we could possibly have. She played the keyboard and I sang. <laughs> it was rough. So, so I thought, well, okay, well, he's not here yet. I waited a few minutes. He's not there. So we just went ahead and started this. The, the, the praise and worship, I thought, what's well, rush hour, he's trying to get here, he'll be fine. Uh, we're praying, we're, we're going through, we play, we get to the end of the, the set, we, we weren't talented enough to just do songs off the cuff. So I said, well, everybody, let's just praise God, and then we'll greet each other. And, and when we did, I, I went to the window, and I went, is he here? <laughs> he still wasn't there. So I let, I let greeting go a little bit longer. And we sang another song, I think, and, uh, and he still wasn't there. And then finally, I see him pull up outside. I thought, oh, praise God. <laughs> He's here finally. He comes into the building, and he says, uh, he says, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't listen to the directions you gave me. I tried to go my own way, and I got lost. That's a whole other story. And he comes in, and he says, okay, I'm ready to go. Where's your, your overhead projector? You know those things that you, with the light that you put it on there and it projects up there? Where's your overhead projector so I can get set up so I can do my sermon? I looked at him. I said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have an overhead projector. He looked at me, and he goes, my whole sermon is on overhead projector. And I said, I don't have one. Now, I'm brand new in this church. Right? All these people, they're just getting to know me a little bit. So, so he, my favorite preacher, so he decides to, okay, okay, well, we'll figure it out. He gets up, and he does a sermon, and he goes, now, my whole sermon's on an overhead projector, but your pastor doesn't have one. And so what he started doing is preaching, and he'd, he'd grab the overhead slide, and he'd hold it up, and he'd, and he'd say, now, if we had an overhead projector, you'd be able to see this, but your pastor doesn't have one. And then he would, and then he'd put that slide down and pick up another one and do it again. I was like... We get, to the, we get to the end of the service. Oh, praise God. <laughs> this, 
thing's finally done. We get to the end of the service. We took an offering. The people gave $10. Oh, Jesus, I can't give them that. We didn't have anything. So, so we, we gave <laughs> several hundred dollars to try and bless him to get out of this thing. So I'm like, we, we get everything together. I'm like, you know, come on, you go ahead and get out of here. It's embarrassing. We get him to the door. It's pouring rain now. Now, when I say pouring, I mean, you know the big fat raindrops? It's an absolute downpour. Well, the church that we were in was, um, the, the parking lot, it wasn't paved. And it wasn't gravel. It was dirt. And he's got his fancy suit on. And he, he runs, out to the, runs out to his car. And I'm like, well, praise God, he's gone. <laughs> he runs back into the church. I said, what's the matter? I've got a flat. <laughs> I said to him, that's a bummer. And you know what he said to me? You need to go out and change it for me. So I went out there in my suit. Back in, you wore a suit to church. And it's really hard to jack a car up in mud, but I think I got a rock or something. I figured it out and finally, finally got it to, to work. And I remember I was so... You know, so deflated. Everything that I thought pastoring was, was not. <laughs> I, was, I was broken. I went home with my wife. I just began to cry. I, I just, I was ready to give up. So this is just, <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. And the people that I'm supposed to lead now think I'm an idiot. And the whole time, he never told me that I needed an overhead projector, just so you know. <laughs> you know, when I, when I was older and I had some wisdom, I thought, well, dude, <laughs> you might have said something. <laughs> so, you know, I, but what I found is it's just there's a brokenness. But, you know, that brokenness is part of what creates and makes in us what we need to be. I ran. I ran from the ministry eventually. Things happen. So I'm not doing this anymore. God had to bring me around the mountain a few times. We went around that mountain so many times we were dizzy. And brought us right back. Why? Because it was what he wanted us to do. We ended up here. We're in the northeast. And uh, out of the blue, I get a phone call. Hadn't talked to this guy since. I get a phone call from this guy. And it had been like 15 years. He calls me up. Brother, I'm in Pennsylvania. You want me to come preach for you? I feel like going, you lost your mind? <laughs> but I felt God, and I, and, and I, said, I said, okay, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it on a Wednesday night. He says, man, you'll love it. I've, I've got, I'm speaking on the same thing, prophecy. He said, it's, I got this great sermon, and, and I really believe God's going to touch you. 
Okay, so I had to go down into the city and I had to pick them up and bring them to the church and we're getting ready to start the service and I'm sitting in the, in the it happened to be a dirt parking lot as well, but anyway, we're sitting in the parking lot and, and we're talking and we're kind of going over things and God's trying to do a work in me. See, he, he didn't even remember, I'll be honest with you. He had no clue what had happened. It was, it was me that he was dealing with. So we're sitting in that parking lot and we're talking and I thought, well, praise God, you're, you're helping me, Lord. You're, you're helping me to get through this, right? I've got to forgive because if I don't forgive, then I'm not going to be forgiven, God. So I, I just bless him, right? All this stuff's going on in my head as we're sitting there in the parking lot. And he says, all right, well, we better go ahead and get in so I can get set up. He said, uh, what I need, though, is I need your PowerPoint program so I can put the sermon up on the... I went... I don't have that. I said, I've got an overhead. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He said, you know what he said to me? He said, my whole sermon is on that. Now, I was a little older and a little wiser. So I said, well, bless God, you're going to make this work out. <laughs> and, and that night we, we sat and, and it was, you know, there was just a handful of people. And he, he, I said, okay, everybody, here's what we're going to do. You know, I took control of it and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to get real nice and close. And he's got his, his laptop and we're going to gather in real close so we can see what's on his laptop. <laughs> and it ended up being a really good service. Now, why do I tell you that? Because, see, God wanted to do something in here. Like I said, he had no clue. To this day, he has no clue what happened. I didn't tell him, you moron. Why didn't you tell me you needed PowerPoint? <laughs> Only an idiot would not tell me that you need PowerPoint. That, in my head, that's right. I didn't do that. We made it work. But, see, God had to do something in me. See, God will get you where you need to be. It, it, it might not be fun. That, that day in Commerce City, I was humiliated like you can't even imagine. I mean, I was, it was really bad. <laughs> I felt like my whole dream had been crushed. That everything I wanted to be was a lie, all that kind of stuff. But see, God has a way. When you want to, when your heart really is, God, look, I want to do what you want me to do. If you're just willing to keep stepping one foot in front of the other, he has a way of getting you what you need in order to get you there. Now, after that service up in the Northeast, thank God he didn't drive, it wasn't raining, and nobody had a flat. But we went out afterwards with him, and, and we had some fellowship, and we were sitting at you know, I can't think of the name of the room. Huh? Denny's. High class. We're sitting at Denny's afterwards, and we're talking with him. And he began to share his life and the brokenness, the things that he had gone through, the hardships, just, and God gave me a heart for him. See, God can turn those situations. 15 years, 
And I haven't seen them since. But God can turn those things if you have a heart after God. See, this whole thing today, what I'm trying to come across is you have to have a heart for God that says, God, it may be hard, but I'm your guy. I'm your woman. I'm willing. I know I don't have everything that I need. But God, I have this. I'm willing to do what it takes. I may slip and bump and fall. I might have to get off the ground 50 times. But God, I recognize that there are thousands of people going to hell. And can I be honest with you? Not many Christians care. At all. They care more about how they feel. They care more about their own things and wants and desires. They care more about the, 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 the issues in their lives than they do about the fact that as bad as it may be for you, you're not going to hell. But they are. C.T. Studd was the guy that I was talking about that was the cricket player. And he, he went over and he served in India. He got so sick, his wife ended up dying. His body was broken. He came back to England, and, and when he was there, he went to the doctors, and the doctors told him, you can no longer go to those kind of climates where there's, where there's that high humidity and all that kind of stuff. You'll die if you go to those places anymore. You can't do it anymore. And one day, C.T. Studd is walking down the street, and there's this little small church that said, we're looking for missionaries that will go preach to cannibals. And he walked in that place, and, and, and the part that Jan didn't talk about, he walked in that place, and the, the guy's up there, and he's speaking, and he's talking about the need, and these people that don't know God, they've never even heard of God, and they need somebody that's willing to go. And in that whole room, nobody responded. And C.T. Studd, who was broken, who had lost his wife, whose health was gone, began to walk to the front. Say, oh God, I'll go. If nobody else will do it. He ended up going over to the Congo area in the center of Central Africa and he, he went into that place and for something like the next 11 years gave his life to see people wanted Jesus. See, God's just looking for a few people that are willing. That's all. It's all he wants. Will it be hard at times? Yeah. <laughs> and will it always be fun? No. Will you ever get to the place that you think that's where you're supposed to be? I don't know. But I know that when you're willing, there's a lot of people out there that need it. What's the greatest part about New Destiny? In my mind, when I come here and I, and I listen to worship, it's, it's always where it gets me the most, especially when we're singing Amazing Grace. I stand there. And, and I hear the words of this song and, and I hear it because I hear people behind me that are singing and that are worshiping and I think to myself, God, what if I didn't come? It makes it all worth it. I got stories like everybody else that are hard. What if I didn't come? 
So my question for you is this. What if you don't go? Every head bowed. Nobody looking around for just a minute. Jesus said, for this reason I came, to seek and save that which is lost. But he's not walking the earth anymore, at least not physically. He needs our feet. He needs our hands, and he needs our mouth. And without it, he can't go. Time so short if we knew. The trumpet could sound any day. The Bible says he'll wipe away every tear, and sometimes I think that tear is God. I didn't get enough done. His spirit's here and he's dealing with some. You may not like it. You may not want to. You might not be good at it. Might not be convenient. But none of that matters. The only thing that matters is what God said about David. He knew that David would do all of his will. And that's all he's looking for today. Just somebody that will do all of his will. Old, young, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, none of that matters. He's just willing to do his will. We're going to stand to our feet and we're going to worship God. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.